Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes and in the ground. These were all commanded for their faith, Yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Hey, welcome everyone. It's lovely to to have you here. If you're visiting this Easter day, you're so welcome. My name is Steve, and uh, I'm going to be giving the talk today. Um, Easter in a year of death. Have we ever known an Easter like this one? not in our generation, 2020 will be known as a year of death. This morning, I just checked on the Google stats, 320 deaths in Ireland, just under 10,000 deaths in the UK, over 20,000 deaths in the USA, and in many countries where you're from that I haven't mentioned, you know the death toll, and they're increasing. And these are horrendous stats that tell of death. But behind the stats is a personal story. This is a year of death and it's affecting us all. And so the question is, has there ever been a more timely moment to remember the Easter story? Easter is a day of victory for Christians. We believe that Jesus is risen from the grave, has dealt with sin once for all, has beaten death, is alive today in heaven praying for us, and will one day come back to judge the living and the dead. In other words, Easter Sunday is a Sunday where we celebrate that despite all the death in our world, despite all the suffering and the loss, despite all the uncertainty and the instability created by the coronavirus, we know where history is heading. Death will not have the final say, Jesus will. And in his resurrection, each one of us who believes in him has a pledge and a foretaste of what will happen to the whole earth and ourselves as his followers. We too will be resurrected, given imperishable bodies and live in the new heavens and the new earth without any tears, suffering, sadness or death. But you might ask, it doesn't feel like a victory right now. It doesn't feel like Jesus has won. When I look around the world, I don't sense 
that he has won a victory. Well, one theologian likened the events of Easter and the return of Christ to D-Day, the 6th of June, 1944, and V-E-Day, the 8th of May, 1945. If you know your Second World War history, D-Day was the day when the Allied forces landed on the beaches of Normandy and would deal the killer blow to Hitler and his armies. On that day, the Second World War was won. But on that day, the war was not finished. Indeed, it was nearly a whole year for Hitler to surrender and for the war to be over, the E-Day. And so D-Day, the war was won, the victory was guaranteed, but VE Day, the war is over and the victory is enjoyed. So at Easter, we celebrate in effect D-Day. God has landed the forces of his grace on the beaches of human history in the person of Jesus Christ. And at Calvary, the killer blow has been dealt to sin, Satan and death. Victory is guaranteed. We are on the winning side. But, but the war still rumbles on. Suffering continues, lives are lost, the battle still rages, viruses still attack us. There is an unfulfilled future that we wait for where the victory that is now guaranteed will be enjoyed. And so we live between the war being won and the war being over, Easter and the return of Christ, D-Day and VE Day. So the question I want to answer in this talk today is, how do we live in that tension? What's called the now and the not yet. Yes, death has been dealt this final blow by Jesus, but I see death all around me. How do I live? How do I cope? How do I survive? How do I get through? Well, the writer today says you need to have two types of faith. You need to have victorious faith and you need to have suffering faith. Friends, I don't know where you stand with Jesus, what your view on God is right now. But whatever you think about all that, if we can get hold of these two types of faith, suffering faith and victorious faith, we can handle the greatest tragedy and the greatest success. We can handle the greatest pain and the greatest triumph. We can handle the greatest disappointment and the greatest victory. We can handle the year of death. We can handle COVID-19. Victorious faith and suffering faith. Let's start with victorious faith. The writer brings the readers of, of this original letter to the Hebrews to very famous Old Testament heroes of faith to inspire them to keep living the Christian life. He talks about Barak and Gideon and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophet. And look what he says. He says, who through faith conquered kingdoms. He's talking about David, King David, the great king, and Solomon, his son. He talks about shutting the mouths of lions. Now, what could he be talking about? Well, you, should, you know this story. It's Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel would not give his allegiance to, he was living in exile, but he gave his allegiance to God alone, and he got him thrown into the lion's den. But he prayed, and God shut the mouths of lions. He had victorious faith. And, and the king of Persia, Darius, ends up praising the Lord of all the earth because of this victorious faith. And then what it says, it says, who quenched the fury of the flames. This is another story from the Old Testament book of Daniel. This time, not about Daniel and not about King Darius, 
this time about Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. In Daniel chapter 3, the king builds a golden statue and says, everyone must worship the statue. And everyone does in the whole land, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king is furious. And he, and, and he says, you must fall down. And they don't fall down and worship the statue. And so what he does is he, he heats the furnace up seven times hotter. The men that throw the three of them into the, uh, into the furnace die themselves. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are accompanied by a fourth one, God. And not a single hair on their head is singed. None of their clothes is scorched. And there's no smell of fire on them. Victorious faith in the face of a fiery furnace. This is how the story reads. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and he defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. It's the same message trusting in God, deliverance, miracle, intervention, rescue. There's an angel. There's victory, escaping the edge of the sword, escaping the fiery furnace. It's victorious faith. The writer goes on and says, women receive back their dead, raised to life again. I've just been reading uh, the Old Testament in my personal devotions. I've just finished the book of one and two Kings amazing books of God using people of faith to bring about amazing victory. This is referring to Elijah 1 King 17, who raised the widow at Zarephath's only son, and 2 Kings 4, where Elisha raises the Shunammite woman's son. So two women, through the great men of faith, Elijah and Elisha, are raised back to life. We love these stories. This is a resurrection. You know, a family member, a friend, is diagnosed with cancer. The awful news comes, you know. And the church starts to pray. And the cancer recedes. And we praise God because the person is healed. And so we should. Victorious faith, the people of God seeking the face of God. I got a really moving testimony uh, on my WhatsApp from a Northern Irish pastor who'd had a, a you know, pretty tough time with COVID-19. And, uh, and he was in a real bad place and he prayed and he cried out and he just saw God answer some remarkable prayers. And it really stirred my faith. It's remarkable. It's wonderful. He prayed and there was intervention and he, and he was, you know, in the end he was let out. Or we hear of someone with financial breakthrough. I've had it in my own life where I've needed finances and I've prayed and God has answered and or maybe there's a physical problem or a relational problem or a practical problem and, and you pray and you seek God and he answers victorious faith hallelujah and we rejoice women receive back their dead raised to life again sometimes but what about those who never get victory never get deliverance never get intervention never get strength out of weakness what about those who lose their jobs feel desperately lonely, struggle with ongoing health and mental health and illness, and die of COVID-19. What about them? What about them? Did they have too little faith? Did God not listen to their prayers? Did they fail God? Did God fail them? Let me tell you a 
a story about a friend of mine. I, I, for my sins, I used to play a lot of ultimate frisbee and travel the world playing in many tournaments, staying a week here and a week there. And one of my roommates was called Jeff and uh, we shared our room many times during our different tournaments around the world. And it, the first time we shared a room together, he, quite early on in, in our just getting to know each other, he found out I was a Christian. And as soon as he found out I was a Christian, he said quite, you know, in passing, oh yeah, I used to be a Christian. So I asked him, well, what happened? And he said he was a Christian growing up and he was in the youth group. And the youth group were being sent as a missions team to Bolivia to build a church for a local pastor and his flock. And Jeff was the leader of this mission team with the youth group going over to Bolivia. And they went over there and he just said everything went wrong and nothing could happen. And there was all these problems inside the team and outside. And he said to me, this is what I remember. He said, I got on my knees and I prayed that God would sort it out. And he said, and nothing happened. And then there was a little moment in our little room as we were, you know, rooming. And he said, I guess that's when I lost my faith. Life got tricky. Things got messy. Prayers didn't get answered the way we wanted them to. And he gave up on God. There was no intervention, no victory, no angels, no answered prayer, no strength out of weakness, no miracle. Did he fail God or did God fail him? Well, the writer to the book of the book of Hebrews says, no, 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 no. There's another answer. Not just you have to have victorious faith. You have to also have suffering faith. Listen to how the story that the passage goes. Others were tortured, refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed into. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter in the whole of the Bible about the life of faith. And it has all these heroes of faith. How does the chapter in the scriptures, which is the, the, the all these heroes of faith, finish? Who are the heroes of the heroes, we could say? And it's nameless others. We don't know their names. Others were not rescued. Others didn't have their weakness turned into strength. Others did not see victory in this life. And they're nameless. They died in faith nameless and unknown but honoring god the climax the crescendo the high point of the most famous passage in the whole bible about living by faith are nameless heroes who died whilst retaining faith in god their prayers were not answered the way they hoped they lived in tragedy with tragedy and disappointment their hopes and desires were never fulfilled. Their plans never came to pass. They were lonely and misunderstood, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground and greatly suffered, tortured, jeered, flogging, chained, put in prison, sword into stone. What is the verdict on their lives? The world was not worthy of such people. These people had a faith, a devotion, a love, a beauty, a holiness, a power, a steadfastness, an allegiance to God that put the rest of the world to shame. The world was not worthy of them. So they were taken from this world to a better world. 
in this year of death, we're going to need to learn from these heroes of faith. It's easy to trust God when life's going well and the prayers get answered the way you want. No one ever had a problem obeying God when things were going as you wanted. Anyone can do that. But if that's all your faith consists of, then your faith is doomed. Because as things start to go wrong, not only will you crumble, but your faith in God will crumble. You won't have the resources to handle it. That's how many people in our world are reacting to COVID-19. It's as if they don't have the resources to handle such a tragedy. Do you know what Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego say to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, just before they're thrown into the fiery furnace? They're not going to give him allegiance. They're not going to bow down to the the golden statue. This, I mean, if you have a Bible, you must underline Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This is the most astonishing statement of faith I think I know in the scriptures. You have side by side victorious faith and suffering faith. Victorious faith. We believe he can. We know he can. We believe he will. Do you see that there? But then you have suffering faith. But even if he doesn't, even if we die, we're not going to give our allegiance to anyone else. Victorious faith and suffering faith. That's the resources you need to cope in the world that we live in. And so as COVID-19 sweeps through our world, causing havoc, chaos, fear and death, the Holy Spirit says to every one of us, do you have the resources and the faith to cope? Maybe not. How can I get that kind of faith? How do I get those resources? Where do they come from? Did you spot in the middle of the passage of these heroes of faith, And he goes from women receiving their children back from the dead. What happens? What is the key moment of switch from victorious faith to suffering faith? Let's read it again. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they might gain a better resurrection. What does that mean? A better resurrection. If you were the widow at Zarephath and your son had been resurrected, you're like, that's an amazing resurrection. If you were the Shunammite woman and Elisha has just brought your son back to, you're like, that's an amazing, there's a better resurrection? Of course. Both of those sons were raised to life, but would one day die again. A bit like Lazarus in John chapter 11. Jesus raised him from the dead, but he was going to die again. In, in one sense, it was, it was like a resuscitation. It, it was a genuine resurrection from the dead, but it was then they were going to have to die. It was short-term, temporary resurrection. The real problem of death and suffering had not been dealt with. But these others in Hebrews 11 look forward to a better resurrection, a resurrection that would usher in a new age where there'd be no more death or crying or COVID-19, a lasting a more perfect resurrection. These others knew that one day God would raise not only a few individuals from the dead only to die again, but one day raise someone from the dead who would never die again. Someone who would break the power of death over humanity. 
They knew that one day God would not only help some people escape the edge of the sword and quench the fury of the flames, God would usher in a new era where there would be no more swords or need for swords because there'd be no more evil and suffering. A better resurrection. A lady who's greatly helped me understand this better resurrection is a lady called Johnny Erickson. I have a book here. She was, she had a diving accident at the age of 17. I think she's 70 now. And she was a quadriplegic for her whole life. I want her, once heard her in a Christian conference and she couldn't, she still can't lift her hands above here to praise the Lord. And, uh, and she's written some very inspiring reflections on suffering faith. Some of the most powerful books I've read. Uh, Leanne was giving stories of heroes of faith last week. Read Johnny Erickson. Amazing. This one's called A Step Further. And she reflects on the better resurrection. She doesn't use that language. She talks about heaven. She says this. Life's pleasures were never meant to fill us. They were merely to whet our appetite for what is to come and to cheer and inspire us as we trek through this earth towards heaven. She goes on to say, suffering gets us ready for heaven. How does it get us ready? It makes us want to go there. Broken necks, broken arms, broken homes, broken hearts. These things crush our illusions that earth can keep its promises. When we come to know that the hopes we cherished will never come true, that our dead loved one is gone from this life forever, that we will never be as pretty, popular, successful, or famous as we'd once imagined. It lifts our sights. It moves our eyes from this world, which God knows could never satisfy us anyway, and sets them on the life to come. Heaven becomes our passion. She talks about a better resurrection, doesn't she? And at the end of her book, the last page, she has a picture where uh, she drew with her teeth and she's, you know, the, the, the wheelchair is for sale after living for 50 years in a wheelchair. She says this, when I think of heaven, I think of a time when I'll be welcomed home. I remember when I was on my feet, what a cozy, wonderful feeling it was to come home after hockey practice. How pleasant to hear the familiar clanging of bells against our back door as it swung open. Inside awaited the sights, sounds and smells of warmth and love. Mum would greet me with a wide smile as she dished out food into big bowls ready to be set on the table. I'd throw down my sweaty suit and hockey stick, bound into the den and greet daddy. He turned from his desk taking off his glasses, then he'd give me a big hi and ask me how practice was. For Christians, heaven will be like that. We will see old friends and family who have gone before us. Our kind heavenly father will greet us with open, loving arms. Jesus, our older brother, will be there to welcome us too. We won't feel strange or insecure. We will feel like we're home, for we will be home. Jesus said, it was a place prepared for us. We'll have new bodies and new minds. I myself will be able to run to friends and embrace them for the first time. I'll be able to lift my hands before the hierarchy of heaven, shouting to everyone within earshot, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive blessing and honor for he freed my soul from the clutches of sin and death. And now he has freed my body as well. The wrongs and injustices of earth will be righted. God will measure out our tears, which he has kept in his bottle. And not a single one will go unnoticed. 
He who holds all reasons in his hand will give us the key that makes sense out of the most senseless suffering. And that's only the beginning. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's a quote from Revelation chapter 21. The better resurrection is what Sam says in the Lord of the Rings to Gandalf. Is everything sad going to come untrue? It's when every wrong is righted. It's when every unfulfilled desire is met and tenfold. It's where all tears of sadness are banished. And it's a place where we'll never die again. It's a better resurrection. I want to read an astonishing story of a 75-year-old Italian pastor. I've sent you some of this story. If you've heard it, listen attentively. This is magnificent. He, he contracted COVID-19. He's 75 years old and he's become one of the, na- I don't know his name, and he's a nameless hero of faith that's going to join in Hebrews chapter 11. The testimony I had verified from sources I trust is called Light in a Doctor's Darkest Nightmare. It was sent to me on the 22nd of March, three and a half weeks ago, as COVID-19 was causing havoc in Northern Italy. It reads, Never in my darkest nightmares did I imagine that I would see and experience what has been going on in Italy in our hospitals the past three weeks. The nightmare flows and the river gets bigger and bigger. At first, a few patients came, then dozens, then hundreds. Now we are no longer doctors, but sorters who decide who should live and who should be sent home to die. Though all these patients paid Italian health taxes throughout their lives. Until two weeks ago, my colleagues and I were atheists. It was normal because we were doctors. We learned that science excludes the presence of God. I laughed at my parents going to church. Nine days ago, a 70-year-old pastor was admitted into the hospital. He was kind. He had serious breathing problems. He had a Bible with him and impressed us by how he read it to the dying as he held their hand. We doctors were all tired, discouraged, psychologically and physically finished. When we had time, we listened to him. We have reached our limits. We can do no more. People are dying every day. We're exhausted. We have two colleagues who have died and others that have been infected. We realized that we needed to start asking God for help. We do this when we have a few free minutes. When we talk to each other, we cannot believe that though we were once fierce atheists, we now daily in search of peace, asking the Lord to help us continue so we can take care of the sick. Yesterday, the 75-year-old pastor died. Despite having had over 120 deaths here in three weeks, we were destroyed. He had managed, despite his condition and our difficulties, to bring us a peace that we no longer had hoped to find. The pastor went to the Lord, and soon we will follow him if matters continue like this. The doctor writes, I haven't been home for six days. I don't know when I last ate. I realize my worthlessness on earth. I want to use my last breath to help others. I'm happy to have returned to God while I'm surrounded by suffering and death of my fellow men. Friends, 
The unnamed 75-year-old pastor knows what it is to live in light of a better resurrection. And the world is not worthy of men like him. And notice when the atheist Italian doctors come face to face with such pressure and suffering, their science, their medicine, their wealth, their worldview, their social security did not give them the resources. But when they discovered Jesus and the better resurrection, they had all the resources they need. So what will our response be? Easter 2020, Easter of coronavirus, the Easter of death. We are gathered online because we cannot meet, yet we're celebrating a better resurrection. Jesus is alive. Sin is dealt with. Death is defeated. And we have through him a foretaste and a pledge of what we can all experience by faith. Are we willing to follow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Johnny Erickson, and the nameless 75-year-old Italian church pastor into a fiery furnace saying, I know God can, I believe he will, but even if he does not, I will not give my allegiance to anyone else because I have a better resurrection to look forward to. If you're a Christian here today, I want you to imagine the impact we'd have on our world in this life if we lived more for that life. We'd do all we could to stop the spread of COVID-19 without being fearful and panicky. We'd make plans and desire for them to come to pass, but we wouldn't be crushed or angry when they didn't. We'd love our neighbours in this city, even if it was costly. We'd pray for healing but remain hopeful and grateful even when it doesn't come. These are the resources we have. And if you're not a Christian here today, firstly, thank you for joining our slightly clunky, technically glitchy Easter service. We really believe. And I think deep down you are here because you know that you need to believe that Jesus is the son of God. He did come down to earth to represent us, to be our substitute, to live the life we should have lived, to die a death, to represent us before God in all our sin and our shame and our guilt, to pay the penalty for our sin, physical and eternal death, and then to rise again so that the power of death could be nullified and rendered, rendered powerless over our lives now. Because if we know him, he's a pledge, he's a foretaste, he's the first fruits of a harvest, and we too can inherit that better resurrection. I urge you, give your life to him today. Repent of your sins, have faith in him, and you too can receive a better resurrection. If you'd like to do that, make contact with us after this service. Uh, there's plenty of ways to do so via our website. I want to finish with a an unknown soldier from the American Civil War wrote, a blessed, wrote about the blessing of unknown prayer. I love the unanswered prayer. I love the fact that he's unknown because, again, he's a hero in Hebrews 11, suffering faith. He says this, I asked for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. 
I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all men most richly blessed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a better resurrection. We are even in suffering and weakness and a year of death among all people most richly blessed. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, Easter 2020, the year of death, we come to you grateful that you have guaranteed a better resurrection for all that follow you. We thank you that you entered our world of suffering and death, that you experienced our infirmities, our frailty, our loneliness and our isolation. And we thank you that after the silence of Holy Saturday, there was a tremendous roar of victory on Easter Sunday, which we celebrate today. And we look forward to your return and make us those that live with both suffering faith and victorious faith. Victorious faith that we keep seeking you, our great God for answers and breakthrough, but Lord, suffering faith that we will give our allegiance to no other if it's your decision and your will that we're to pass in this life into the next so we might know you and come home as Johnny Erickson said. So we thank you that you never fail and we thank you that our faith stands on the empty grave. Mm -hmm.